0: welcome to the simple church podcast where we're committed to helping you know god find freedom discover your purpose and make a difference let's get to today's message
1: well good morning everybody Good morning. My name's Shanda. If I haven't met you yet, I am not one of the pastors on staff here at Simple Church. I'm just married to one, <laughs> but I'm happy to be up here all the same. I am Pastor Aaron's wife. If I haven't met you yet, I'm um, looking forward to this series. And can I just say, I know today is Baptism Sunday, and if you didn't sign up, that is okay. You can still get baptized today if you want to. You can go right now. We have everything that you need, towels, clothes, everything. If you go back here to to see Sean and Tracy at the Connect Center right now. They will get you everything that you need to do that, and I'll see you at the tank after service. But can I just say, what a lame entrance this was. If you've been here the last three weeks, we've been doing At the Movies, and that was a great series. We had a lot of fun, but they had theme music, and props, and choreographed dances, and costumes, and you just get me up here for the next 30 or so minutes. But (laughs) I am excited to be up here with you today. Fall is over. We're done with that pumpkin spice life. I hope that everyone got to enjoy some time with family and or friends for Thanksgiving. Got a hot meal. Hopefully you got your beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkey, you name it. And now we move on to Christmas. And maybe some of you moved on to Christmas before Thanksgiving was over. Who had their tree up before Thanksgiving? There's a few people. Okay, there's a few people. Uh, And now it's only, what, December 3rd? Who already has your Christmas shopping done? Wow, okay, more than I thought, I'm behind, I'm behind. But welcome to week one of this new series, Socks and Underwear. For the next few weeks, we'll be going over the Christmas story, and this this series will be looking mainly from the Gospel of John. And I know that's not the majority of where Christmas stories are taken from, usually Luke and things like that. But uh, for this series, we're mainly focused on uh, the Gospel of John, and that's not to say that I won't talk about the other Gospels because I definitely will. But uh, each of the four Gospels tell the story of Jesus through their own unique lens so Matthew tells the story of Jesus as Jesus as king Mark tells the story with a focus more of Jesus as a servant Luke is Jesus as man but John tells the story of Jesus as Jesus as God and so for the most part I'll be using that as an example But growing up, we all had those presents that we desperately wanted for Christmas, the ones that we begged mom and dad for. And so Erin and I have three kids. They're all grown now, but we have two boys and a girl. And the boys always kind of kept us guessing on what they wanted for Christmas. They didn't have a specific thing every year. But my daughter, she got smart pretty quick, and from about the age of fifth grade or so on, she would gather my husband and I in the living room, and she would do a PowerPoint presentation of her Christmas list. So we never had a question of what she wanted, and as she got older, it even included links and sizes and everything. There was, there was no question. Um, and I know when I was growing up, I had those special things that I remember begging for. One year, it was the Cabbage Patch Kid right? I think my mom had to throw some elbows on a Black Friday uh, sale to get one of those. Um, I actually did bring a picture of me growing up from Christmas. That's a pair of shoes. I was that excited over a pair of shoes that I really wanted. One year, it was a keyboard, and I'm not talking about the little Casio keyboard. I'm talking about the big keyboard with the drum pads at the top, and I was, I was going to learn to play the piano, and I was so excited about it, and I did get that. However, about a month later, we had been using that keyboard at the church for something we were doing, and we left it there. And on the way home, I realized we had just left, and I was like, oh, Mom, please go back and get it. Please, please, please. I begged and begged and begged, and she did. We went back and got it, and that week, our house burned, and we lost everything. And so I really regretted at that time being such a brat, because I at least would have had one thing left from Christmas. <laughs> but... Uh, So, right now, I just want you to take a moment, think about something as you were growing up, what you really desperately begged for for Christmas. Did you get it? Did you not get it? Look at your neighbor right now and tell them what that was. All right, was your neighbor a spoiled brat or were they disappointed? Every Christmas, there are gifts that we need, but we may not get too excited about. I know my kids were probably got disappointed when they were at that age where their stocking stuffers started looking a little different. So when they're little, it's very easy to get a really great stocking for not a lot of money because, you know, a few little toys, some fidgets, maybe a shirt they wanted and some candy, that's easy to do on not a lot of money. I love doing stocking stuffers. But as they got older, their stuff became more expensive what they wanted. So we had to shift some stuff around. So their stocking stuffers started looking like deodorant, contact solution, and some candy. Did that make us cheap or smart? I don't know, you decide, you don't have to answer that. But for some of us, it was socks and underwear. It was a gift that we needed, and you knew that you would use them but it definitely did not go on your list or, for some, your PowerPoint presentation. And if we take a look back to the first Christmas, it was probably a lot like that. Jesus was this gift that the world desperately needed, but it kind of went unnoticed. It was not too exciting for the most part. You know, John 3.16 says that God loved us so much that he sent his son as a gift for us. And that was the most precious gift that God could give us. But when Jesus was born, most people did not realize that that gift had been placed under the tree. That it was a pivotal moment in human history, and it just flew under the radar for the most part. So why is that? That may have been because it just was not what people were looking for. You know, Luke looks back at the story of the birth of Christ, and there was, that's where a lot of people go to tell the Christmas story. You have Mary and Joseph there. There's no room in the inn. You have little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus laying in the manger. And remember I said that Luke's lens, he writes from Jesus as man. But John looks all the way back to the beginning. And if we look in John chapter 1, he begins the Christmas story a different way. He wants us to understand that God is fully man, but fully God. And John 1.1 1, 1 says this, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. John is using the word word. That's kind of hard to say, word word. But he's using the word word as a reference to Jesus. In the Greek, the word is logos, which really just means the expression or declaration of a thought. So you can think of it this way. John is saying that Jesus is the expression of God. An even stronger way to think of it is he is the manifestation of God. He's not just another prophet. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus has always been. He was right there alongside of God in the beginning, from the creation. And he's clearly stating here, Jesus is God. So here we are. God is coming to earth as a baby. And they say that hindsight is 2020 for a reason because we can look at the Christmas story now and we see everything unfolded. And it makes a little more sense to us. And it seems like it should have been a pretty big deal for the people during that time. Like it should have been this spectacular event. But as we read the story, this gift was far underrated. And a lot of people may have treated this gift like we may treat socks and underwear. Now, personally, I'm not a great gift giver. I just have a hard time thinking of what people might like to receive. I don't know, I have a hard time. So all year long, I keep a section on my phone in my notes of gift ideas for Aaron. Because any time throughout the year when he is like, oh, that looks cool, or, I you know, I would like that, but I know full well that he's not going to spend money on himself for something like that. I try to nonchalantly, and I know I'm telling on myself right now, but I don't know if he knows that I did this or not, but (laughs) I I try to write it in my notes section so that when it comes time to get him a gift, I can remember what what he would like because otherwise my brain freezes up and I cannot think of one single thing that I could get for him. And maybe some of you are like that. Uh, maybe some of you are last minute shoppers. anybody last minute okay uh, oh you okay well, so I when I was growing up, I worked in retail. And we always had to work uh, Christmas Eve. Shout out to Rose Brothers Department Store, Jackson, Kentucky. But we always had to work Christmas Eve, and I hated that because that's when my family celebrated Christmas. But we had to work Christmas Eve every year because it was one of the busiest shopping days of the year. And why? Who was the majority of my customers? Men. Okay, then. Yes. It's not that they had poor intentions, it just maybe their ideas weren't that thought out. It's just last minute. And reading from Luke, it seems like this great gift that we were given, that some of the details weren't that thought out. But yet we know from the beginning of time that this was God's plan. The very first prophecy of Jesus was in Genesis chapter three, the first book, the third chapter of the Bible, Adam and Eve have sinned, and God promises at that time to send a Savior. So for thousands of years, this has been leading up to this moment. And people for generations and generations knew that this was coming. And I know that there were 400 years uh, from the last book of the Old Testament to the first book of the New, where we had no new prophets, no word from God. So maybe people had given up looking for the Savior to come. But those who hadn't given up hope had to have been thinking, when it happens, we'll know it. But for the most part, it went largely unnoticed. And how is this possible? Because what we read in Luke doesn't really match up with what they may have expected. You know, Mary and Joseph, so poor that they could not afford the sacrificial lamb that would have been required in Levitical law for the birth of their son. Now, that's some irony right there. They couldn't afford the sacrificial lamb for their son who would become the sacrificial lamb of the world. It would have been tough to imagine that the king of kings and lord of lords would have been born in such humble beginnings. Just the journey alone to Bethlehem would have been difficult for a woman who was about to give birth. We've been to Bethlehem. It's very hilly, so it would have been a hard travel. And then to get there, and there's no room in the end. You know, if this was a carefully planned out gift, it looks like God could have made a reservation, right? Like, he could have pulled some strings and made something miraculously open up, maybe upgraded them to the honeymoon suite or the penthouse, something. <laughs> and to be born in a time where King Herod was trying to kill all the baby boys, to and under, I think that would add some stress to your birth plan. You know, I said I'm not a pastor. I am a registered nurse, and I used to work in labor and delivery, And oftentimes, women would come in with this elaborate birth plan of exactly what they wanted their birthing experience to be. And it was my job to do everything that I could to make sure they had the experience that they had wanted. But we all know that sometimes babies, our bodies, have different plans. And it doesn't always work out how we think. We have to make some accommodations, but you would think that if God could have planned out just maybe a little less stressful delivery for her. But in Luke's account, it says this, Luke 2, 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now that sounds kind of nice like wrapped all snugly and in this version it says strips of cloth and that's really just a fancy way to say rags. There were no nice flannel blankets with the, the white blankets with the pink and blue stripes that we see all across the America in every delivery room nationwide and I can only imagine the looks that I would have gotten if I looked at one of my patients and said hey we're all out of those nice flannel blankets, but I can get some rags from the housekeeping cart. You'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm sure the next words I would have heard is, you're fired. (laughs) There was no bassinet with a warmer over top to keep him all nice and cozy. And one of the things that I've learned in the last uh, few years that kind of blew my mind about thinking about the Christmas story a little differently is in every, Nativity scene that we look at, um, we we always imagine this little wooden trough with hay, and it looked all cozy still. But uh, I know Erin and I talk a lot about reading through the Bible recap, which is the Bible plan that we do every year. And you, you you read your Bible, and then you listen to this ten minute podcast. Highly recommend it. But I've learned a whole lot, and if you don't understand what you're reading in your Bible. Do what I do. Find somebody that's smarter than me to explain it to me. But Terry Lee Cobble, who does this podcast, is telling about the Christmas story. And she said, and this does make a lot of sense, but the majority of things in Israel, you don't see a lot of things made from wood. They don't have a lot of big trees there. They have a lot of olive trees, but those aren't really big for, you know, lumber. And, and so the majority of things built in Israel they're all stone. And she also said that typically during that time period, that the manger itself would have also been made out of stone, which made me just kind of blew my mind because every nativity scene we look at is the little wooden manger. But to me, that made it seem so much colder and harder stone that he was laying in. So here, really the creator of the world, God in the flesh, and this is how he comes. It probably was just too much to fathom going from being in the word, in the beginning, the word was God, to here's a baby wrapped in rags. So what is the reason? Why did it happen this way? The way that it did, it would have been quite unexpected. So let me give you a few things to think about. We expect the Christmas story to be painless and trouble-free. Like Mary was probably thinking, I'm about to give birth to the son of God. It should have some privileges, right? Like maybe a supernatural epidural. (laughs) Won't he do it? (laughs) She must have thought that just God was going to just work it all out. But God wanted to identify with us in our struggles. He could have made it easy and trouble-free. Jesus could have been born into a wealthy family and not had the hardships in his life that he did. But this is maybe an unexpected gift of the Christmas story. He wanted to identify with us in our struggles. When people live a life of privilege, have lots of wealth, it may make it difficult to relate to others, maybe those who live paycheck to paycheck. Or for those who have to go without food or shelter. You know, I grew up fairly modestly, but I never had to go without. So it makes it hard for me to relate to people who do. It's easy for us to view God that way, sitting up in heaven. He couldn't possibly understand what we're going through here on earth, but he can because of what Jesus endured here on earth. And maybe finances were not your struggle. Maybe it's dealing with difficult family members. And if any of mine are watching today, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but Jesus can understand that too, because when he began his ministry, he had some family drama. Mark says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away and said, he's out of his mind. That had to hurt. Or maybe you have faced the betrayal of a close friend, it hurts. But Jesus knows what that was like, too. Not only Judas giving him up for money to the soldiers, but there's also Peter who denied even knowing him right in front of his face. Most of our friendship betrayals are kind of backstabby things. You don't know that's happening until it's already happened. It still doesn't feel good. But Peter denied Jesus right in front of his face. So we know it was in front of his face because in Luke it says this. But Peter said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Jesus told him that he would. And they were so close, Peter couldn't even imagine that. But right in front of his face. Ouch. Jesus grew up poor, humble beginnings, a brutal ending, he was innocent yet tried for crimes that he didn't commit. Sinless yet he took on the sins of the world. Also that we he could relate to our struggles here. He is able to sympathize with us. Hebrews 4:16 says, "Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need." And I am very thankful for that because I know I can take all the grace and mercy that he can give me. But we can go to him with confidence when we're struggling because he knows what it's like. That makes me feel good. And it's a known fact that the most generous people in the world are not the ones with the most money. They say that the people who are in the top 7% of income, so that's like a million dollars a year annually. I don't know. I can't fathom that, but... That top tier of people, the top 7%, give about 30% less than people who are in the lowest income bracket that's just above poverty level. And the thought of why that is, is because that top tier likely never knew the struggle. They have maybe never gone without. My husband and I celebrate each year when we do our taxes and we see what percentage of our income that we were able to give away for God's kingdom, for others. It's a celebration for us. And why is that? Because we know what it was like to struggle. I know for me personally, I was a single mom. I was in nursing school. I was trying to work with a five week old. I was on food stamps, WIC. My daughter had a medical card. I was on all kinds of government assistance to try to help me because the struggle was real. And them food stamps don't buy diapers. And not only financially struggle, but physically struggle. I was tired, y'all. And now it's a joy to be able to give back to others because I remember what that struggle was like. And this is what we have in Jesus Because he came the way he did, because he knows the struggles that we can go to him boldly for grace. Another thing that we can think about as we look at the Christmas story is how God wanted to set an example of humility for us to follow. We expect the Christmas story to be this royal extravaganza. But God wanted to show us what humility looked like. This is the Son of God. But even with his birth, Jesus shows us that he wants, how he wants us to think of ourselves in this selfless and sacrificial way. Even in who he made the announcements to, not that angels did it because we expect that as the Son of God, but who he made the announcements to, people like the lowly shepherds. So Jesus entered this world so humbly, but he turned the value system of this world upside down. He was born about three miles from the palace of King Herod. And he was known, King Herod was known for these big, extravagant places. And when Aaron and I were in Israel this summer... We got to go see the remains of one of his fortresses and this was just a summer home it was he they said he spent about six weeks out of the year here and it was up on top of a mountain where we had to go by cable car because it was so hot that they said it was too dangerous to walk up the side of the mountain so how in the world they even built it up here They had these big cisterns that uh, would fill with water, so they had water supply up there. And I have no idea how they even accomplished this because it's in the middle of the desert. There's no water around. And I don't know, it was just a very elaborate structure that remains today. So I can only imagine that if that was his vacation home what his actual main palace might have looked like. It was a very large structure, we know, and it likely could have been seen from where Mary was giving birth. So here we have the king of kings wrapped in rags and laying in a place where livestock ate. Philippians reminds us this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, that is some humility. He didn't just stay up in heaven and tell us how to be humble but he came to this earth, and he showed us how it's done. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. One other thing that we see as we look at the Christmas story is how God wanted to make a statement of his incredible love for you, not to show us his supremacy, that ultimately... When you look at all of these details, they may not have lined up with what you would expect. But they are, in fact, a demonstration of God's love for you. That Jesus could have showed up on the earth in a very glorious way. I love the song, The Manger Throne, that they sang this morning. So many of those verses, I was like, this is my whole message right here in this song. But he came so sacrificially and the greater the sacrifice, the greater the understanding of his love. We'll do things for the ones that we love that we may not do for other people, right? It's easy for me to say I would give up my life for my family. But I may have some hesitation to give up my life for some people. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you don't think you would, you're a liar. But for my family, I think without hesitation, without a doubt, I I would do anything. I would give up my life for them. I would, I would, catch a grenade for you. I would throw my hand on a blade for you. Jump in front of a train for you. I'll stop. But we might have some hesitation for some people. But Jesus came. For the good, the bad, the ugly, don't look at your neighbor and say, that's you, that's (laughs) me, but he came to this world the way that he did so that he could show you just how far he was willing to go for you, to show you how much he loves you. You know, not all gifts show up when or how we expect them to. One of the coolest gifts that I've ever gotten, I would consider it maybe a miraculous gift. And no, I'm not talking about finding out I was going to have a baby or anything like that. This is a story I chose to tell. When I was 19 years old, I got invited to go to Puerto Rico on vacation with my best friend and her family. And at that point, that was the nicest vacation that I had ever been on. And I knew that it was likely I would not have another opportunity maybe to go to a place like that ever again in my life. Because at that point, the only place I'd been on vacation to was Myrtle Beach. And no offense to Myrtle Beach, I always had fun on those vacations, but it ain't Puerto Rico. (laughs) So I go on this trip and I come home and I was super excited to develop my pictures because I'm old. This would happened when you had to take pictures on a camera, and you couldn't see those pictures. You didn't know what they were going to look like. There was no taking 14 selfies till you got the right angle. You had to know how to nail it on the first time. Yes. And then wait to see if you did it. That's why there's so many pictures with people having eyes closed and things like that. We lived in a hard times guys (laughs) so I get home from vacation I drive to the local Winn-Dixie store and I drop off my film and it wasn't even 24-hour turnaround or one hour that we have now they had to send it off and you had to wait so the day that they were due back I go back to Winn-Dixie to find my pictures oh we don't have them check back in another day or two, okay? Disappointed. Go back in a day or two. Yeah, we still don't have those. And I'm like, please tell me you guys did not lose my pictures to this once in a lifetime trip. So I call the company, I call the managers, I'm calling anybody who would listen to me and my pictures were gone. Sorry, nothing we can do, you're out of luck. I was sad so fast forward about a month or two and I get a phone call and it's my friend that I'd gone on vacation with and she said you're never going to believe what just happened what is that well her sister who had gone on this trip with us as well was picking up her pictures how she could wait a month or two to do this I don't know I was she apparently was not as excited about her Puerto Rico trip as I was But she, who lives an hour and a half away in Lexington, was at a Kroger picking up her pictures. So a different town, a different store, an hour and a half away from where my pictures were supposed to be. And in the moment that she was picking up her pictures on the counter was a pack of pictures with my name on it. And she said, these are mine too. Got my pictures, and I got my pictures from Puerto Rico. (laughs) Now, to me, I know I realized I would have survived without the pictures and just had the memories. It would have been fine. This was not a life-altering thing. However, in that moment, that was a wonderful, unexpected gift. And I know that in the grand theme theme that this was quite insignificant, but it meant a lot to me. And I tell this story because Jesus did not show up how people expected him to. It was not a grand entrance with lots of royal fanfare that would have indicated to the world without a shadow of a doubt that the Savior of the world had arrived. That the one that John was speaking about when he said, in the beginning was the word. The one who was there in heaven for the creation, who came to live a life of struggle, a humble life, and one of humility in order to show us how much he loves us. So as you read this story this season or listen to this series for the next few weeks, I ask you to say to yourself that he did this for me. Jesus is without a doubt the best gift that you will ever receive. And all you have to do to get it is say two words. I believe. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift that you were for each one of us. We thank you for the sacrificial way that you lived here on earth and the ultimate sacrifice that you gave on the cross. I know I do not deserve it, so we thank you. And in this attitude of prayer, if you are here and you have never accepted this most precious gift and you want to today, you can raise your hand right now and let him know that you believe that he is the son of God, that he came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. And not only that, but that he rose again and that he will be back for us again someday. And if that is you, you can raise your hand right now and accept him as your Lord and Savior. So you can do that now. Just throw your hand up and let him know I believe If you raised your hand, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask that everyone prays along so that no one has to pray alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.